Yo, what's going on? This is boy Jake. Jake Cuts Fresh. This is the Barber Life Podcast. You can check me out at jakecutsfresh.com or on Instagram, Twitter at jake underscore cuts underscore fresh. I got my friend, my man on the line. We're doing another, uh, not really interview, we're just kind of kicking, I guess, man. So without further ado, introduce my homie, Steve Ferreira, works at the Barber's Den in Belmont, Massachusetts. And you can tell by our accents where we're coming from, son. So, Steve, what's up, man? How you doing? What's good? You got me? Yeah, man. Cool, took cool. A, <laughs> it took us a minute to figure it out. Yeah. We got it. Couple of couple of brainiacs. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, definitely, man. Yeah. We always click. We always seem to vibe somehow. Yeah. Um, I remember I was cutting my buddy's hair. This is how I met you, man. I was cutting my dude's store, general store. Legendary. Yep. Legendary. Cutting his hair. And he said, Hey, my boy, uh, Steve just finished up barber school. He's up in that Malden area. You should link. Oh, okay. What's his Instagram? You know, that's how we, that's how we communicate these days. Yeah. And, uh, started following you and you were working. What, what was that shop you were first working at? It was, I forget what it was called. It was right up the street from where I used to work. Yeah. So it was an Everett and the first shop I worked at was, um, was Long's. Yeah. yeah. Shout, out to, shout out to Long for giving me my start. He's an amazing barber. And then um, we moved that shop down the street. I was there for that. And he actually changed the name to Black Label Barbershop. And um, I know they've moved since. And I, I think he's working on his second location. But I haven't talked to him in a while. But, um, yeah, that's where I got my start. Yeah. Over there, yeah. Over there in Everett. So I spent a little while there. That was on Main Street, right? Yeah, it was on Main Street. And I think before that... I I don't know the history, but I think that was Remo's before, and then I think he bought it, um, or he took it over. I, I know he worked there, and then uh, I know I think he ended up kind of taking over the shop when Remo retired. But he was like a legendary barber in this area, from what I understand. He used to do like he was an older guy, and he would do like fifty, sixty haircuts a day, like every day. <laughs> yeah, 50, I only fifty, I only sixty. Heard like I'm not exaggerating. Yeah, like <laughs> I have five minute specials all day. Yeah, 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 and I I heard of him. I never did the history or anything. Um, because I worked, yeah. I got my start right. Well, technically, I got my start in Framingham, but really, like day to day, every day cutting hair for a career was in Malden, right down the street, right on Main Street, in Malden. Perfect styles, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. There. Right there. Yeah, yeah there. Greg. Greg's still there. Greg, I gotta get Greg on here, man, because he's a comedian, so he's he'll love this shit. I want to meet that guy because I know that he's a comedian, and I like. I like to joke around, so I think he and I would probably get along. <laughs> yeah, he's he's uh, he's he's a beast with the Clippers, man. Just <laughs> just unbelievable. That's dope. Um, yeah, so that's that's cool, man. So, and also we have a similar history. Yeah. In the, in the hip hop world, man. Yeah, it's funny. It's it's literally the exact same history. I grew up in a stick town called Dighton, Mass which is uh, sandwiched in between Taunton, Mass., Fall River, Mass., and then uh, Providence isn't too far, Attleboro. And I was the pretty much, I had like one or two other friends that were kind of into it, but I was like the only white kid that was super into hip-hop. And I mean, my whole school Mm. was pretty much white kids. You know, like I'm Portuguese, so I guess it's funny, like it just a lot of Portuguese people and then like a lot of like whatever else kind of white people down there. Where I live, uh, <laughs> my dad. Somebody, somebody my dad looked that up. Whatever else, kind of white people. Yeah, you know, whatever, whatever else you got. You know, like I'm, my dad's. I'm Portuguese on my dad's side from the Azores, and then my mom's 
um, English and Irish. Um, I, I guess we're primarily English and then Irish, but our last name's Connors. But yeah, so yeah, super into hip hop in the 90s. And it wasn't really cool to be a white kid into hip hop back then. I also, I liked a lot of the old metal, like Metallica and Anthrax and like Suicidal mm. and all that stuff. But I was, you know, I'm a, I'm a hip hop guy. I still am. And uh, my, my dad used to drive me to Providence and Skippy Whites to buy vinyl. And <laughs> I could, you know, I was just thinking about it. And I was like, yo, how ridiculous must it have been for my parents to like, for where we lived and to see like the things I was interested in and how I was dressing and like, yeah, like, you know, like I, I, I was literally 13 years old and I just like for Christmas, just begged my parents to buy me like a Gemini mixer or whatever. I think <laughs> yeah. I had tech. And, uh, yeah, it was linear tech. Cause my friend's family owned a record uh, music supply store in Swansea mass called Rick's music world. And I think they hooked my parents up a little bit. And then, um, yeah, like just driving to I, I like this is like nineteen ninety five, ninety six, and I would drive my dad and I would drive to Providence and we'd go in the record store and we'd be the only white people there. Like I'm no <laughs> exaggeration. Except for Mark who worked behind the counter. So it, it it was cool. Like everybody was you know, it was always cool, you know what I mean? But it just it just wasn't common back then. Right. Then one, you you meet white guys who come out of the woodworks now that like swear they're like they know everything about hip hop. And I'm just like, no, you don't, because you are my age and you don't know shit about hip hop because you didn't listen to it in the 90s when it wasn't <laughs> yeah. cool. And like, you know, you people would people would start with you in school, all the white kids, and you'd go to like, you'd go to Providence and the black kids would be starting this on you too. So, yeah, <laughs> it was like, yeah, you, you don't know anything about being a white guy in hip hop. <laughs> no. Yeah. And, and I think just to be clear, like, it's not about the race, like when you're in the music, in the culture, like at a show or whatever, I never felt like weird about it. And I don't think anybody felt weird about me being there, but we're saying it from the point of view of we're trying to actually kind of get in the subconscious of the people around us. Yeah. (laughs) And, and like what, like I think of the same thing when my, you know, cause I wasn't really allowed to listen to hip hop. It was like, "Eh, it's like contraband. So yeah. Yeah. When, when my mother would catch me listening to like shut them down, like public enemy, like, she must have shit herself. Like <laughs> she it, comes it, home. It and wasn't just... common back then. It just wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't common back then for like white dudes to be passionate about hip hop, especially like I don't know if if you lived in Brooklyn, or or, nah. or you lived in Boston. If if it was a little bit more common, but just where we lived, it wasn't. It wasn't common. It wasn't accepted, and people thought it was weird. And you were the weird guy for being into that stuff. You know. Yeah, like, for sure. Yeah. Um, and but the thing, the thing. That about it was um it made me aware of diversity at a young age living in a place where there wasn't a lot of diversity and yes you know like it it made you have more empathy for other people who don't look like you because i was you know like pretty much adopting a culture that wasn't my own i'm super into it and super interested mm-hmm. and, and when i first got into hip-hop and i first got into rap i was hearing it through the radio and i didn't really realize that it was not a white culture at the time and then I just thought I saw a Run DMC and Aerosmith video, and I thought I was like, "Yo, those dudes look so cool <laughs> and like way cooler than anything that's around here." And then I, you know, I just got into it from there, and I, I didn't really realize because I'm so young, I had no knowledge of you know different people are living different type of lifestyles, and not everybody has the same opportunity. You know, the things that I know now, I didn't know them, but I think that put me on the path to being a little more knowledgeable and a little more tolerant than a lot of other people. So. I, yeah. I think absolutely. But hit, hit my theory on that also is that 
because you were like that because you had a deep curiosity and interest for stuff that just wasn't around you. Yes. And and I saw if it wasn't hip hop, it was something else. You know what I'm saying? Like I just feel like yep. that's how we were wired. And at the time, what year did you? So what year did you graduate high school? Two thousand. Two thousand. Okay, so you're a couple of years behind. I'm not ninety seven. Yep. So same yep. same thing. Like at the time, like we didn't know. I say this all the time. We did not know that this was as good as it was gonna get. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, yeah, definitely, definitely. It, like, we didn't realize we were in the prime. Like, I remember being like '94, like listening to like J. Rue and then like Biggie and all these premiere beats and and listening to Souls and listening to another level and yep. I was just eclectic mix of yep. you know hip hop. I like and being like, man, it's never gonna like it, it, it's so good now. Imagine what's gonna be like in ten years. Oh my god, I remember saying that about the NBA. Yeah. I remember saying that about stuff and then. You know, 10 years, 2004 was kind of not really that great, man. <laughs> was no, it? It was. I, like, I like the diplomats in 2004, though. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was a big dipset in Purple City guy. But I, uh, they, I they like, were kind of funny, though, too, you know, like. Yeah, it was, it was, that was, to me, that was a weird era. It was like. Oh, yeah. You, either talking about drug dealing or, or, or either talking about selling drugs or doing drugs. It was like no in between. Yeah. You know, it was like, it was, it was. A little wild, but anyway, um, you know, I also was in the music industry trying to get my thing popping, and so were you yeah. around the same time. Yep. I'm sure uh, we have crossed paths a thousand times before we actually met on the barber front. So, what was that? Uh, I'm glad that I'm glad that we met more on the barber front than the music front. Because <laughs> I'm a little burnt out on the hip hop and the music stuff, and I was actually thinking about like how happy I am now that I kind of left it alone and got into barbering because. Like, even, like, up until about six months before I got into barbering, I was still holding on to it a little bit. Like, my friends and I were, were putting out, like, T-shirts, and we were putting out records, and we were trying to, like, kind of work with some groups. And it was just, like, uh, you know, like, it was kind of like, yo, this has kind of run its course. And now I'm, a, I'm I'm happy that I can just listen to music and appreciate it. And not, yeah. You know, just be a fan. Yeah. Do you feel like when you turn something you love into a business, it, like makes it gross <laughs> yeah ex- except ex- except um except, with, with hair except barbering only thing except barbering it- that's why exactly <laughs> whatever we just captured right there that's the whole thing that's the whole crazy shit about the whole thing that like i like i had a terrible morning this morning <laughs> i was running late all over the place i had a terrible workout at the gym i woke up late i didn't feel good I spilled a humongous coffee all over my kitchen. Like I was already gonna be, I was gonna be at work just like right on time, like right at nine o'clock. Yeah. And that's not a good feeling. No, and I spilled the coffee, and, and I'm like, ah, oh, and I'm flipping out. I'm like, well, as soon as I get there and start cutting my first head, I'll feel better. Yeah. That's rare. That's weird. That's really weird. Like that. Like yeah. Like I, I just need to get through the shitty morning so I can get to work because I love it. <laughs> Whoa, yeah. how lucky. I'm blessed, man. Dang. Yeah, and, and, I, I agree. And so, like, that's the thing. Like, I didn't have to go. That's the other thing with music. Like, I didn't have to go commercial or do anything crazy to make my hair, you know, to make my barbering career work. Yeah. I didn't have to do that. I just had to keep working on it, working on it, working on it. I found my niche. And I yeah. wonder if that was the same, if that could have been the same with music, because I love to rap, I love to make beats and perform, I love to perform the most, and I know, looking back now, you know, I cut hair for 10 hours a day, five days a week, for, since 2003, so, 
if I had done music 10 hours a day, five days a week since 2003, <laughs> I, I might be doing that for a living. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. You know, I don't know. I don't know. But at any rate, um, you had the label going with. Now, were you, did you own part, own Amalgam? No, I worked there. I didn't even know oh, you okay. knew that I worked there. But yeah, no, yeah. DJ Next, who's a legend, who I'm going to have to. I'm gonna have to send this dude just because we're talking about it. I know Next very well. Oh, you well, know Next? Not oh, not so crazy. much anymore. Not in the last 15 years, probably. But I was no, on the cover. I was on the cover of his mixtape with the headphones <laughs> on. Yeah, I'm yeah. Oh, yeah. Shit, yeah. I wasn't even on that. He's a wild man. He is that man, dude. They're gonna do a documentary about him one day. Yeah. And it, it. He's just that man has lived like 10 lives. I just was actually. <laughs> We were actually just texting back and forth today. He was sending me flyers from, uh, like, 1990s hip-hop stuff that he had left in his parents. And he was back home visiting, and his mom was like, you got to get this stuff out of the basement. He had literally, there was a rap group called Blown Out from Fall River that I don't really know too much about, but I know they got kind of big at one point. Mm. And I think, I think, you'd have to fact check this, but I think Cypress Hill actually took them on tour. Oh, damn. And it, yeah, and he actually still had a flyer from them, and he yeah. was like sending me all this stuff. It was wild, but no, I, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't own any of Amalgam, but I got, I worked there with him for like, like thirteen months, and then I was just like, yo, I'm done with this. Yeah, okay. Because <laughs> yeah. just working in the music industry is crazy. Like to be honest, you know, I mean, I, you're not getting paid that much because it's really not that much money to pay people, so that's tough. And then. You know, like the hours and the requirements are just—it just gets crazy. It's very stressful. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's like not stressful. fun. You know, it's just like yeah. What the hell? I, I got into this to be fun. It's just not. I fun. also had I also had some of the best times of my entire life working over there and then working um, you know, like just running around doing music stuff, hanging out with the guys from underground hip hop, and, and and then doing a little bit of music management on my own after that didn't really go anywhere. But you yeah. know, like I got to hang out with Max B. I took Max B to a hotel room. <laughs> and, and uh, when he was getting ready for a show up here, and he and I watched him smoke weed and talk shit about Jim Jones, <laughs> and you know, and you can't put a price on things like that, you know. Yeah, <laughs> that's the duality, brother. That's the duality of life. Yeah. It's, it I sucks out, and it's I went cool. out for steaks with Joe Budden at the Outback in, in New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Joe Joe Budden, now, he's. I uh, know. I'm just so much happier to cut hair. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you have those stories, right? You have those stories. Yes. Yeah. I get you know I pass those stories down to my grandkids. I was uh I was recording a lot with um I don't know if you knew creators like G Squared, yeah. XL, those cats. So XL yep, raised yep. me. Shout out to XL. That dude raised me into hip hop. Okay. My first mentor. And uh yeah, he took me on his wing in a lot of ways. But so I was going I was recording with them and um G Squared had a studio uh in basically it was in Cleveland Circle. It was like in his in his house. And uh I had a session, like, say, like, two to six or something, and I got there, too. And um sitting in the living room, and now walks Fat Lip from Far Side. Just oh, com- wild. Comes and gets a, some orange juice out of the fridge. I'm like, hey, what's up, man? He's like, what up? I'm like, oh, shit, that's Fat Lip. <laughs> I'm like, yo, what are you? You didn't tell me Fat Lip was going to be here, man. I feel embarrassed, man. I He's like, what are you? He's like, who, who, what do you care, man? Just be yourself, you know? <laughs> but it, it just, those stories, they go on. They go on and on. Yeah. Um, all right. So <laughs> you so you started cutting hair roughly. I'm trying to think, man. Was it like I, I think 11? it was I think it was five years ago actually. Okay. It was about five. I know it's 
I went to Barber College, five or Barber College. That's what they call it on the West Coast. It sounds more glamorous, so I'll say that. Yeah. Went to, I went to the New England Hair Academy about five years. I think it's five years ago this fall. Yeah. So I started cutting hair on my own about five years ago now. Okay. Uh, you know, so and it was kind of it was kind of a long time coming, but uh, yeah, it's, I'd say solidly about five years ago. I count the time that I spent in barber school as part of my barber career because yeah. I quit my job. Yeah, and that was my and I didn't have any source of income aside from what I was making at the shop, like doing a couple of walk-ins here and there, or like cutting some of my friends and they and they'd give me a couple bucks. Like I wasn't really working at all, so yeah. Uh, that's tough, right? So tell, so talk about Ooh. that. So you didn't work. Were you no? Were you married so, at the time? I know you're married now. Yeah, I'm, dude. My daughter was already. She was already almost three. Oh wow! So basically, what happened? This is my my work career is kind of nuts, and it's kind of funny, and I'm kind of happy to get the story out once and for all. <laughs> because it, it's such a it's such a strange story, and the fact is that I'm 37, and I've only been cutting for five years. But I've, I feel like I've made a good go of it. So, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, at first when I was only a year in and I was like 33, oh, how long you been cutting hair for? It's like, uh, yeah. you know, like, you know, but when that point where, you know, I'm doing all right, I, I feel like it's cool to share the story. But basically, um, I had gotten out of college in 2005. I went to Northeastern and I didn't know what the hell I wanted to do. I couldn't find a job. I didn't know what I was going to do. I took a temp job working at John Hancock. I basically got stuck in it. I didn't know. I didn't even realize what the job was when I got it. <laughs> Long story short, I got stuck in a call center for like a year working uh-huh. on annuities, right? And this is before the recession in 2008. So I, this is kind of a long story, but I think yeah. it's kind of funny and interesting. Go so for it, man. We got number 10. All right, cool, cool. Um, yeah, I mean, anybody that that still wants to listen to this story, you know, is probably here in for the long haul if they didn't hang up after listening to us, me rambling about Providence hip hop for 10 minutes. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, so long story short, I ended up on a call center, which is just absolutely the worst thing. I'm wearing a shirt and tie every day. If if you know me, uh, at this point in my life, I'm covered in tattoos and, and I would never wear put on a suit to go to work. Only wear suits for formal occasions. Like it's just not my style. Right. Working in an office, having managers and and stuff like that, and formal things is just not. It's just not for me. Like I'm not putting it down. It's just not for me. But so I was there for a little while. I got dumped super hard by a girlfriend, and I was just really like that. That first year out of college was just not going in any direction that I wanted it to go. And they said to me, "Hey, we need some help in California. We have brokers out there, but because our call center here closes on East Coast time." We need support for the West Coast in Hawaii. Would you want to go out there? They gave me three days to decide, and I was like, I was like, um, I was like, fuck it, let's go. You know, <laughs> I was, uh, they gave me a bunch of money. I blew the money before I even got on the plane to go out there. Right? <laughs> I was taking all my friends out. We went to the Glass Slipper like every night for like three weeks. Oh <laughs> my god! <laughs> I was I was having a ball, right? Like I was really having a ball. Luckily, there was some more money that came when I got out there, so that kind of. That kind of kept me fluid when I got <laughs> out there, right? So I got out there. I worked at for a year. You know, in the meantime, I'm, I'm talking to Next the whole time. And I'm helping Next kind of get artists lined up because he had decided he wanted to start putting out some of the classic hip-hop records. We were, like, reissuing old records. Yeah. And kind of the game plan kind of became, um, 
reissue the old record and then get the artist to put out a new record. So, you know, I was, I was helping him talk to some of the different people. Like I was, I, I had somehow managed to finagle a relationship with Tash from the alcoholics. I managed to get him at least in the door and the next kind of would take it from there with the contract negotiations and stuff. And then, um, you remember Curious George from the nineties? Oh yeah. I love Curious. He, yeah. He was the first guy I got in contact with and he's, he's an amazing person. He's real cool. It's still cool to this day. Um, you know, I got him to kind of come on board and then there was a couple other people and, uh, and then eventually it kind of got to the point where he was like, Hey, if you want to come back, you can work here. So I came back and I worked there and you know, that ran its course after a while. And then I spent like a year just working like part-time. I went back to, I used to work at the city sports in downtown crossing when I was in college and I went back there part-time and then I managed to hustle up a job in the office uh working on the website but again i wasn't doing what i wanted to do i was like answering the phones and like dealing with like web orders and stuff and then my friends and i started putting out t-shirts and records and stuff and we, we had a couple of parties that went really well and i remember being out to dinner with my wife and i said this is cool i hate my job i can't get promoted they don't like me um you know this this record label shit and this clothing stuff is cool but i'm not making any real money and we're putting all the money back into it which i do and my wife looked at me and said i think you should go to barber's I, I thought about it for like two seconds and then I said, all right, I'll do it. And then six months later, I was in barber school. And that was it, you know, like six, nine months, eight months, something like that. And then, so, so what? So, you, yeah. So, at what point? All right. So, you, you met your wife when through all that? I met my wife. I actually met my wife through Next. Oh, wow. Okay. Which is the crazy thing. And I feel like because Next is a, is a master a master of people and he kind of introduced my and he was hanging out with my wife's friend at the time and um and he was kind of like oh i got this girl that you like when you come back i'll introduce you to her so like i started talking to her a little bit here and there like through myspace <laughs> and then i came back we went on a date and we've actually been together since and my wife's been a, my wife has been a licensed hairdresser for like 20 years and she kills it nice so for her to say to me like you should go to barber school i was like well she probably knows what she's talking about so, yeah. So we've been together for a long time, and that's, that's very... two thousand and seven, probably two thousand and eight, two thousand and eight, something like that. Two thousand and seven. Yeah. I don't know. We've been we've been married for seven years. So yeah, ah, same <laughs> with me. So yeah, we're very similar. My wife's a hairdresser too. We've been married yeah. seven years. It's 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 just, it's funny when you meet heads. You're like, wow, we have uh, yeah. you're just a different version of me. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so my phone just started kind of dying like super fast. Like when I called you, I had 80%, and then all of a sudden, look, I'm like watching it go 28, 23, okay. 19. So I booked it upstairs when you were just talking and grabbed my charger. Um, so it, if it seemed like I was uh doing stuff, that's all it was, anyhow. No, it's all right. Um, all right. so now you work at the Barber's Den, and that is in Belmont, Mass. For those who don't know, Belmont is yeah. sort of. Um, it's a suburb of Boston, but it's still city, right? Is that considered a city? I think I see. Uh, you know, I actually don't know if it's a city or a town. It's right next to Cambridge and it's right next to Watertown and Waltham. Yeah. Like I seen um, buses there. So like, to me, like, it's like, if I yes. see a bus and it's like, all right, that's a city. <laughs> yeah. Like kind of where, kind of where we work is the stretch where, um, like regular people live. And then the other half of it is like Chestnut Hill. Like there's an area called Belmont Hill, which I drove through and it's like, wild wealthy up there like it's oh insane. okay gotcha yeah gotcha. but then where i where we work is um 
there's a lot of like two family houses and stuff like that. But the crazy thing is, it's two family houses, but the people that live there, like one side's a lawyer and the other side's a doctor. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so fucking expensive out here. I'm sorry for cursing so much on your podcast. Nah, go for it, man. Hey, freedom <laughs> of speech, baby. You know what? I, I always tell people just bring what you bring. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. it's like we're having a cookout, man. What should I bring? What do you make yeah. the best? Bring that. I yeah, don't. I, mean, I don't care if we end up with thirty racks of ribs. Let's just have the best of what everybody has. So, um, that's the first of many food references you're gonna hear from yeah. me. <laughs> um, oh, that's great, man. So, so I I popped in the shop last week just because I was in the area, um, and it was just really really cool. I love seeing other barbershops and how they work. Yeah, and I just like I got in there and I felt this super calm vibe, man. Like, yeah, really, everybody there was just like doing their thing. And, uh, you know, somebody said hi to me. I said, hi, you know, obviously you guys know me, so you can say hi. And, you know, I sat down, just kind of watched the operations. It was like really calm, really easy. And yeah. it made me realize how chaotic my shop is. And it's because it, here's the thing. Anytime I talk to Evan, who shout out to Evan, owns the joint. Um, he's super calm. Yeah, and, and every time I talk to Evan, I feel like he just smoked a bone. Like he's just like, yeah, yeah. So what do you think about that? That's interesting. And yeah, fair. You know, and I'm like, yeah. I'm like, man, this dude's so calming. Like I feel like I just, I, <laughs> so I feel good here. Okay. And and for me, I'm a maniac, right? Like I'm I'm pretty calm, but I get I get a little wild. And yeah, and, and I'm a freestyle at heart. You know, like I freestyle my whole life. My it's changed a lot since I got married because my wife's not playing that. She needs to know, she needs to have concrete plans, but um, yeah. I just kind of go from the seat of my pants and just kind of go. And we have systems at work. We have things going at my shop, but it's <laughs> it's definitely not that calm feeling that I walked into there. So it was it was really cool to kind of just see like, wow, okay, here's a difference yeah. in it. and what makes those differences and and why are they important? You know, and uh, you know, kind of going back and forth with that. Like one thing I loved is that you guys all just handle the money yourselves. You don't have like a a receptionist up there doing that. Yeah, we don't want to pay anybody, so. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the same. That's the same yeah. thing with me. People are like, "Oh, you know, getting kind of busy. You might want to get a, a receptionist." Like, yeah, I mean, I could. Then I got to teach somebody this whole system. They got to yeah. deal with it. Like, it's got to be a dude because if it's a chick and if she's somewhat good looking, every dude that comes in here is gonna be kicking it to her. Yep. And you know, and then if it's a dude, it gets a little broy. It's a little weird sometimes. <laughs> so yep. it's, you know, it's just it can get weird, but. On top of that, I don't, I don't, you know, how much am I going to, you know, are they going to be there every hour? How many do I pay them an hour? It's be a lot of money. So anyway, well, you know, the other thing too is like, for the most part, if you were gonna, if somebody was gonna come into the barbershop and run the front desk for you, right? It's probably gonna be somebody who's in barber school. So then, what do you do with that person when they graduate barber school? You know, it's like, well, I don't have a chair for you right now. Okay, cool. See you. So now I what? I got to get another guy. That's it. Like, what? Like, how does it all work? You know? Yeah, that... I don't know. I... The best thing- I do think I do think that's the beauty of a barbershop where we have that um we, you know we we have that ability to wing it in that sense where everybody's going to ring out their own customers and answer the phone and we just you know we just make it happen like um you know our shop gets our shop gets crazy busy too dudes are doing like you know like 16 18 cuts a day on the regular um so it, you know it gets busy but yeah it is it is calm it is a little more calm than a lot of other places like we keep it you know, we try to keep it pretty chill. Um, yeah. It can get chaotic, you know, and some days, sometimes it does. And, and 
uh, it's harder to do for me to do like high quality work when it's like nuts in there and it's like, you know, it's like sensory overload, you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I would, I, w- I mean, I, I would love to have somebody full time at the desk to like answer the phone, greet customers, get coffee. But then is it worth, is it worth, we, we talk about this and I'm not saying it isn't, but is it worth it to pay somebody money out of your pocket when you're already kind of doing the job and it's not really that crazy? You right. know, like, you know, I don't know. I, it's something to think about. Yeah, I, I think about it all the time. This is the kind of stuff. This is why I don't sleep that much. So I'm like, I'm like, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but then this and yeah, but then that. So the best I've come up with is to have like a fairly cute straight lesbian be be the yeah. person working the desk because yeah, it'll never work. She shut she shutting dudes down left and right. Nah, nah, I'm not into yeah. that. And you know, she it's also not a guy. So. <laughs> That's a, that's all I've really come up with, but yeah, yeah, it's not a bad theory. I don't know. In reality, I don't know. <laughs> I know theories. You gotta get like a uh, like a retired like somebody who was cool but retired, like an older guy or something to run the desk, or like an old. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, that'd be cool. They're not gonna like the music. No, you, you can't. You can't win. <laughs> you simply can't win. I, I had this dude. This is my. This is my man too. I've been cutting this guy's hair forever. And we, um, <clears throat> like I said, it gets a little chaotic. So the music's kind of loud sometimes, and you just, yeah, you just talk over it, and you just forget. And like you're looking around, like, damn, I can't even hear this dude in front of me. I got to turn this down. So, and I think that comes from working at Greg's shop, where it was kind of hood at times, you know. Yeah, I'm just totally used to that. It's like a, it's like the New York Stock Exchange. Just a bunch of people frigging yelling at each other. Ah, but anyway, he comes in, and we're and we're listening to like a lot of reggae, like like Anthony B, like Luciano kind of reggae, you know. Yeah, and and uh. He's like sitting there waiting. He gets in the chair. He's like, he's like, Jake. Like, and he goes, "What the fuck is this on the radio?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, "It's reggae, Joe. You don't like it?" He's like, "Turn the shit down." <laughs> and yo, know, I had to respect him, man. You know, he's yeah. like, he's like my dad's age, and he's super cool. Like, he's not, he's not, he wasn't being rude, but he just like seriously cannot deal with this today. Turn it down. Yeah. <laughs> And like we had that kind of report, so and I was funny. Seen some funny stuff with the shop, man. Yeah, you do. You definitely do. You see weird, you know, weird little situations like that. It's it's kind of funny because like towards towards the end of the week, we might we we like the music is the major sort is a major major source of contention in the shop, right? Mm-hmm. But you might not know that when we're when you're in the shop. But that's what we talk about when we have meetings and stuff like that. And it's kind of like, um, it's like, yo, so what's appropriate? You right. know what I mean? Because, right. You know, you can't play, you like, certain, like, you, you, like we don't play a ton of hip-hop because the fact is, where we are, depending on the song that comes on, it might be fine, 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 and then, like, fuck the police comes on, and it's just, like, some woman walks in with her two kids, Yeah, and it's like, yo, that's what I listen to, but, you know, so it's like, I end up playing music that I wouldn't necessarily listen to in my car, so we kind of try to find a happy medium, but then by the end of the week, like, you know, like, one guy is, like, into punk rock, and he wants to, like, listen to, he wants to listen to, like, some music that he wants to listen to, because he's been listening to what I want to listen to, and then at the end of the day, like, it's Friday night, and, like, some of the younger guys still have clients coming in, and they want to listen to, like, some new rap, and it's kind of like, all right, like, finding the right music for the appropriate time in the shop is just, like, a never-ending battle. I don't know. Yeah, we're... we're... I don't know if I'm ever going to get it right. 
You know, <clears throat> what ends up happening is me uh, and Nick or Brandon play DJ pretty much all day. Yeah. And that's it, it, it kind of takes away from the day a little bit. But we sort of we know that like from opening to like two o'clock, pretty good chance that you may have one or two kids walking in, but not a lot. So you kind of let it rip. You know what I mean? We might throw a casino right. on. We might throw Goodfellas on or something like that. And um, or we might, you know, might throw on some. You know, I don't know, not crazy hip hop, but like an album, a whole album, or like a static selector album or something, you know. <clears throat> That's actually a pretty good a pretty good one for a barbershop. You know. Yeah, and then and then we and then from like three on, you know, you pretty much you're not gonna get like you're not gonna get a radar movie in. You're gonna be turning the channel every time somebody comes in. You know what I mean? Like Yeah. And, and so that that's the thing, like that's another thing I noticed about the Barbers Den was that everybody was super focused on their client. And like yeah. I, I almost I'm not gonna say envy it. I need to get to that spot because I'm handling the phone, I'm handling the door, yeah. I'm handling managing just seven chairs, making sure everything's quality wise coming out good. And then oh, there's a kid walking in. I got static on. I got to change that. You know, <laughs> like yeah. it's just all of a sudden I'm like oh, I'm sorry. What were you saying? The guy in my chair is like, huh? You know, it's yeah. not. It's not cool. You know. I got so, you know I got a thing where um, it, it's kind of like. You know, we don't have a front desk person, right? And just because you're in the front of the shop doesn't mean that, to me, it's always, like, you know, if you're at the front of the shop, it is kind of on you to greet clients. But what if you're not facing that person when they walk in, but I am? Right. It becomes my responsibility. Yeah, if you see them and they don't. Yeah, you know, and and it becomes your responsibility, especially if I'm a guy in the shop that is trying to carry myself, like, yo, I'm here, I can do more. It's my responsibility to then say, hey, you know what? I can answer the phone sometimes. I can sweep. I can greet this client when he walks in, right? If I have to stop, I will stop. If I, if somebody walks in and I can tell they don't have an appointment, and you can tell who doesn't have an appointment because right. they're kind of lingering by the desk or they're not a regular. Because a lot of times you see your client, you start, hey, what up? All right, cool. You go right back to your client. Right. I stopped today. I stopped my service. I looked at my client and said, hang on one second. Give me one second. And I walked up and put somebody in the register. I'm sorry, I put somebody in the system so they could get an appointment, um, I think, for tomorrow or something like that. Mm-hmm. But she had already been in the shop, so she was already in the system, so it didn't take me too long. But that's the, that's the type of thing that I think kind of separates us is that I'm going to I'm gonna make sure that I'm focused on whatever it is that I'm doing. You know, another thing that we right. do, and this is just free advice for whoever's still listening to this, is we run our stereo off Sonos. We got a Sonos receiver. Everybody put the app on their phone. So now what you can do is you can change the music through your phone. You don't have to walk over to a stereo. I wear an Apple Watch. Sonos syncs okay. to my Apple Watch. So if a song comes on that's questionable, I, it's literally, it's I can literally flip that song off by tapping my wrist once. Yeah, and that's... then you don't have to think about it. You know, it's just it's little things like that that free you up to focus on your client. We do all the booking online. Um, anybody calls in, we say, yeah, we do all the booking online. So just go to the website. They never call again. Yeah, you know, like yeah, you know, once in a while you might have like an older guy that you make an exception for, and it, you know they call up, "Where's Steve?" All right, cool. Yeah, just come down at this time. You know, like you know, yeah. like, but you know, ninety-eight percent of the time it's go to the website, boom, and then either they book or they don't, but whatever, because we're busy. So you know, it doesn't really you know, one or two people that don't bother booking because they can't do it online. Is right. At my show, you know. So yeah, you know, you know, we have meetings. We do like in-shop training. Um, we go over consultations. It's it's little things like that that I think have made the vibe in our shop 
a little bit different than some of the other shops you might yes. go to where it's a little more chaotic and uh, and we, uh, charge, we charge a little bit more, and I think you get to charge a little bit more. You have to, um, you know, you have to offer a slightly different service. I don't, I don't think you need to shine anybody's shoes like some of the more like. Um, I know, I know of shops like I think Roosters. They, 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 they're supposed to shine the person's shoes. Man, I'm not, I'm not shining anybody's shoes. This is <laughs> I listen to too much hip hop for that shit. Yeah, bro. I'm not, that's, that's, I'm that not doing out, that shit. You know? No, that's funny. No, I think it, you connected some dots for me here because I've been talking with my wife now. Uh, so as as our listeners grow, they'll get to know who my wife is. Um, she owns a salon, a very successful salon. And, you know, so I bounce ideas off of her. And, um, you know, just, just the idea of, like, for instance, she had, I'll just say this. She had an idea. It's like, why don't you just make a video since you're good with the videos, you like being on camera, about, how to book an appointment there and then just sort of start to push the appointments to the point that walk-ins just go, Oh, I guess I got to make an appointment. Yeah. You know? And it's like, duh, that's so simple. But you just said it there. Like, yeah, we just tell people go on the website. And it's like, to me, I'm saying, if you're calling me, I don't want to make you do extra work. Like I appreciate the call. Yeah. But if I just threw in, Hey, I'll do this now, but also just so you know, you can do this, you know, and it would just free up the phone. The phone definitely has got way more free since we got the online book in a couple of yes. years ago. Yeah. Like it's like, I used to get, I don't know, 15, 20 calls a day. Now it's like maybe one, you know, if I, if yeah. I get more than two phone calls in a day, I'm like, geez, what's going on? Yeah. It's usually solicitors anyway. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we get a lot of the spam calls, but yeah, that's it. For the most part, it's just, I don't know. I mean, I feel like once you tell somebody once, you know, like, but you got to stand firm to it. If somebody's like, Oh, People pull people people go, Oh, I don't have my I'm driving right now. Well if you're driving and you're calling me on your phone, you can't you can you can set up an appointment or oh I don't do this, I don't do that, or blah 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 and it's just like, yo, you have to do it through your phone. Like I don't <laughs> save it, you know, like <laughs> and it's it's not about being a jerk to anybody, it's just about like, hey, we set this, you know, we this is our procedure, this is our process. You know, like we have sure. you know, we expect everyone to kind of just follow this and then you come in. You make a profile once, and you're good to go for the rest of your life. Yeah. See, I think that's that's huge, too, right? You just said there. This is what we do, you yeah. know? Um, I think all the successful businesses that I enjoy going to or that I've heard about or, or see or read about, they didn't try to cater to every single person, you know? No. They just do what they do. No. And, you know, that's one of the kind of the tenants that I set up in my shop when I first opened was, look, I just want to do haircuts, sell pomade, maybe some shave stuff. That's it. I just, yeah. I just, I'm not gonna have a tanning booth. I'm not gonna do this. I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna sell hats. I'm gonna sell that. Gonna, you know. And I've tried different variations of of apparel and stuff like that, but more so just give them all free for swag. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, but anyway, as I started to do that, people were like, I kind of like my clientele sort of cultivated itself. It was just like, yeah, these cats that my first open. Oh, this is so great. I don't have to wait. I can just walk right in whenever I want, get a haircut. Yeah. I said, it won't be like that for a long time. You know, yeah. be like that forever. And sure enough, I get booked up for the day, day in advance. And then it's the week, the week in advance. And then it's the online booking. If you want to get anything, any weeknight after three, you know, book that two to three weeks in advance. Yeah. Because yeah, it's, yeah. it's gone. And so the clientele has changed. And I didn't, but you know what I'm saying? Like, People, I've I've heard a couple complaints about it's a long wait. Um, I don't want to make an appointment. Why do I have to make an appointment? And my answer is, well, that's just how we do it. Yeah, you know, and 
it's I'm not going to be able to cut your hair. So like my shot's not for you, and I don't mean that in yeah. a rude way at all. Like you said, I'm not trying to be a jerk. This is just the way we set it up. It's it's yeah. about never undervaluing yourself. You know what I mean? Like there's a uh, I I've lost clients. I've lost. I'm, I'm busier than I've ever been, and I've lost more clients in the last year than I've probably ever lost. Also, right? I, you know, I raised my <laughs> price. Um, I'm busy. I'm out of the shop. You know, like at least once a month, I got to take a day off to go do something related to barbering that's not in the shop. Um, right. And I have some clients that like really gravitate towards that, and they're like, "Yo, that's cool. My barber's doing stuff." Like, like yeah, I go to this guy who's serious about his career, and like. Sure. You know, like they, they know, you know what I mean? And I, and I make it a point not to be like a bragger, but if I go do something, if I go do a hair show, I'm going to try to tell as many of my clients about that as possible so that when I raise my price again, they kind of understand why the, you know, like it's, you know, like that's, that's a big conversation that Evan and I have constantly about is like value. Like what's the value of your haircut? Why does this person charge more? Why does this person's commission this? You know, like, right. you know, like this and that. And, and, and yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Like you, you can't be for everybody all the time. You know, yeah. it's, it's just, it's just, it's literally impossible. Like, I think that there always has to be somebody who charges more than you. And there's always to be somebody who charges less than you. And then you hit your sweet spot and, you know, like I raised, I raised my price back in November and I didn't really lose anybody until January. Then after the holidays, I noticed a few clients who I really like stopped coming in and I was just like, yeah, you know what? They don't want to pay the extra five bucks. Like, you know, like yeah. to be honest, I probably should have raised my price 10 because I'm just as busy. And the whole reason I raised my price is because I was getting overbooked. Yeah. So going up $5 <laughs> didn't even really do anything. Like, <laughs> Yeah. That's a tricky thing too. I'd love to talk about whenever we get on this education thing is oh, yeah. the right, the right increments to raise the prices. Cause when I first opened, I had, please like me prices you know yeah i you know i was doing 13 dollars for a cut i was doing uh eight dollars for seniors you know yeah and and that's crazy how, like when i say it out loud now it's like that? ugh, huh? how many years ago was that that was 2011 seven yeah. years ago okay so but those are the please like me prices everybody in town was 14 15 and wanted to be new kind of undercut a little bit and then quickly raised everything up um i went to 15 yeah but then 15 didn't get me that much more, right? Like most of oh. the time, 13, people hand you a 20, like, keep that. Then you raise it to 15, they hand you a 20, they're like, keep that. <laughs> oh, so I'm actually not making a cent more and just pissed off a bunch of elderly people. Yeah. Um, so I thought about the next the next price range. I went right up. I think I went up to 18. Should I go up to 18? That's really, I think I did actually. Cause I wanted, I wanted to sound cool and act like I went right to 20, but I didn't do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I ended up going to 20 like a year ago, a year and a half ago, maybe more than that. I got to ask Nick. He remembers all this stuff. Nick's, Nick's like my personal historian. Cause Nick's the best. he's the, he's the dude. He's the dude. He's like my favorite story so far in Barbary. Yeah. He's, well, he is the best. Like, like everybody, like all my barbers, like actually have pretty cool stories when I really break yeah. it down. But you know, like, yeah, actually, yeah, actually, they're all pretty cool. <laughs> but, yeah. but, uh, I think Nick and I just connect because we were raised the same way and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, um, you know, so we went up to 20 and we got that kind of like, holy shit from people. You know what I mean? Yeah. For our, for our area, that was the highest price. You know, for our yeah. area, that was the highest. So, um, all the other shops, as soon as I, as soon as I announced that within a week, all the other shops in town, we have six of the barbershops in, 
Uh, Milford. Isn't that um, a crazy thing, though, too? Because uh, we're lucky in Belmont because we don't really have a lot of competition right where we are. There's a couple other shops, and I don't really know much about them. And their business, like, I wouldn't say that my business impacts their business and vice versa. I don't know how right. busy they are, but I don't. I don't have to worry about what the guy down the street charges for me. But when you're in a town like Milford and there's six other shops, maybe you, I guess you probably have to think about it a little bit more. Yeah, you know, you know what's funny is I just assumed everybody was up higher. I didn't even think about it, Steve. Like I, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like I really live by that phrase: don't don't compete, create. Yeah, you know? I agree. Like, I agree. I, I I don't. I'm not competing with you. No. Like, um. I'm not going to help you that much. I mean, I'll, eh, that's a, that's another whole other discussion. I help a lot, actually. I help probably more than I should. But, Bar- well, barbering is uh, a funny thing because we have this community, right? And yeah. then you've done a lot because you've done the, you've thrown the nights at your shop, right? And that's right. really cool. And I know that some of the people that come to your events have shops down the street, right? Right. And, it, and it's, it's cool, but then it's like after a little while, too, like sometimes it's like um, – I have friends that work at other shops, but if they were down the street, like a mile away from me, like how would that change the relationship? Would I be like, "Hey, I'm too busy. Why don't you go down the street?" <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. You know? Nah, I mean? never. Nah. <laughs> like it's, it's it's kind of a funny thing. Like, but I I feel like it's it's more positive for the industry if we work together. But then in reality, if you're in a small town where there's five other shops, it, yeah, it's I, such an interesting uh like thing, you know? Yeah, it's a, it's like. I know, like, different times, different shop owners have asked me things like, hey, how do you handle this? Or, you know, I want to talk to you later about something, you know, when this happens in the shop, how do you go about it? And it's yeah. like, I'll give you all that information for free, bro. I'm not, because it's all in a book. Like, I'll just give it to you. So it's fine. Um, but then it got me thinking, like, if I was going to reach out to 300 barbershop owners, maybe I could get paid for it. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. So I think about that. So, Actually, pretty nice segue. So, talk to me about how you got into education and stuff with uh, Rojo and all that. Yeah, so, um, I I think it, it's kind of funny. It's all like a lot of things have just kind of come together for me, and it, they're still coming together. I, I would say I'm at the point where I feel like I have um, like my foot in the door, like, but I'm not like uh, you know, I'm not like a full time like education guy. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not. You, you know, like, it's it's not like um, one of those guys who doesn't even work in a shop anymore. They just do education and post on Instagram all day. Like, yeah. I'm far from that. But basically, um, from the moment I was working in a shop, I've also been going and doing education. So, like, literally, I got out of barber school in June. And then in July, I took a train. I went to New York and I took a two, I think it was a two-day class at Wella with um, Josh Wagner and Jesse Gray and another guy named Spanky who was real cool. And that was the first class I took, and it was right after I graduated. And there was another gentleman there. God, I can't remember his name. He was a barber from D.C., and he was cool. Um, and those guys were super cool to me. And I knew right I knew right off the bat the education that I got in barber school was not going to be enough. And I think, I think also um, I am, like, kind of an information junkie. So I remember, like, <laughs> I remember, and I think you're probably like that, too. Yep. And I... I remember the Pacino's app came out and I remember being in barber school and like, you know, barber school is kind of a, can be kind of a crazy place. And it's like, you know, barber schools are kind of wild around here and like, it's just, it's just loud. Yeah. You know, there's a lot going on. 
and like you're watching your stuff to make sure nobody steals your shit when yeah. you're not looking. Yeah. Like, you know, everybody. I, I never had any incidents in barber school. Everybody was real cool to me. I was, you know, like I was. I always got along with everybody pretty well. Um, but you know, you know, it was a wild place. I remember. I remember going home like, oh, the Pacino's app is out, and like on like a Friday, downloading it onto my phone and going home, lying down in my bed, and then like literally falling asleep with the app still going. Yeah. So I, I think just like from the moment I got into this, I was like, well, you know, this this, you know, just learning how to fade from the guy next to me and like going to New England Hair Academy isn't really going to be enough to cut it to do, you know, like, I don't want to do $15 haircuts and like, right. you know, like, and you know, not, not that anywhere that I was working was a bad shot, but like, I, I knew, I knew going into this, like, I think I have a little bit more to offer than the kid who like just has like dirty ass equipment and like, <laughs> I mean, yo, you like, you like, let's be honest. You go to the barbershop. Oh, why, why'd you come to me today? Oh, I, I had another barber, but it wasn't working out. Oh, what's wrong with the other barber? You know, I'd have an appointment at 11 and he wouldn't show up until one. Right. Uh, you know, Simple shit. Kind of, yeah, and I and I know if you want to have more to offer and you want to charge more, you have to you have to be able to offer more. And I don't and like I said, I'm not doing the shoe shining. I don't I don't feel like you should have to like include a neck massage with your service or in in like stuff like that, but I do think that your skills should be if if you're a $15 guy and I'm a $15 guy, then our skills should be the same. But if I want to charge more, then I need to up my skills. So I started doing education. I started taking education. Yeah. Um, my wife had always been big on a Rojo. Um, I was like, oh, they seem cool. You know, it's not really my thing, but they seem cool. And then I saw that they had a men's class a couple of years ago, and I went down and I took it with a couple of guys from my shop. And we had a great weekend, and I thought they were cool, and I learned a lot. And I really started to up my sheer game and get more of an interest in, my in like, scissor techniques. And then – um. You know, another person that helped me out a lot is my girl, DG Cuts, because she worked with us for a couple of years at the Barber's Den, and she's kind of blown up in the industry. Yeah, and she taught she is, me a lot. Right? She, she really kind of took me under her wing and showed me a lot, and she also would give me a really hard time when I was pissing her off because she, like, expected a lot from me. And, uh, yeah, I love her to death. And so I think between my wife, her, taking some classes early on it just kind of led me down the path and then i started saying you know i'm a little older than some of these guys i have i have uh even though my 20s are kind of crazy i have a lot of experience let me share this with some of these guys like what can we do to be better we're always from the moment from the moment i got into the den you know the conversation always be like how can we be better what can we do what can we keep doing whether it was um you know dana would be in the conversation when she was still working there and she did a lot to help and then you know like me evan you know peter the heater drew we're always talking like how do we how do we do better? Like, how can we do better? What can we do next? Like, how can we make this better? What's the next thing that we're going to do? How do we raise our price? What product should we have? And um, just got to the point where about a year ago, Evan and I said, let's call the guys in. Let's show them some stuff. Because I started, to, I, I'm looking at trends, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, barbers have to get better at using their shears. We got the fades down, but our shear game and our styling is weak. Yeah. It's, it's weak across the board. We don't, we don't know these things. And, and I had started to learn them and Evan had started to really learn them. And Evan's, Evan is, I, I think one of the things about Evan is, Evan, everybody knows him for owning the shop and being a super cool guy, but he's nasty as fuck with his clippers and, and his haircuts are sick. Yeah, oh, no um, question. You know, you know he's, he has won Connecticut. He, we went to Miami. He placed second place in Miami. Um, he placed second in Connecticut, then he came back and he won. Right. Um, so, that, that, that's how I know him. I know him as yeah. that guy. I Nasty. also know him because a lot of my clients, when I left Malden, went to him in Melrose. Or yeah. is it... Uh, Where's the other barbers then? Melrose? Yeah, Melrose. That's yeah. correct. It's, yeah. it's funny because it's literally the same street because that main street goes all the way to like Stoneham. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah, so it's down the street. Um, so yes, you know, so we we you know we'd pull the guys in and we'd do like a couple of demos and then we'd say, hey, either get somebody or get a mannequin and let's work together and kind of start helping each other out. And then um, I'm home one day on a Sunday, and I'm thinking to myself like, I I want to do more. Like I wanted I want to explore opportunities. Like I think I'm ready. You know, I've been cutting hair for like I've been cutting hair for a while now. I'm pretty good. I got a clientele. I understand. I understand more sheer game than the average barber. My fades are good. Um, you know, and I do, and I pull it all together in a half hour, and I make, you know, like I, I do all right, you know, like cool. Let's let's do this, right? Yeah. And, and I'm on Instagram, and I see a Rojo says we're launching a barber program, blah blah blah. I just I just hit them up through the DM, and I was like, yo, I like you guys. I've taken these classes. I've taken a class with you guys. Um, if you need help with your barber program, let me know. And they actually put Nick in touch with me, and nice. I was like, and and if you know about Nick, he's you know he's a big deal. He's you know he is. In my opinion, like Nick's a genius. Nick deserves everything that he has, and I've never seen anybody work as hard in my life as Nick Arojo. And um, I've been really lucky to get to know him over the last year or so. They put me in touch with Nick. I went down there. I did a, um, I did one of his Happy Mondays nights. Um, from there, you know, he and I just really got along pretty well. A couple of people that were at the event said, "Hey, you know, we want some men's education. Can you contact that guy, Steve?" I went ah, out to nice. a couple classes. Um, you know, I talked to him here and there. He's so busy. You know, you know, I got I reconnected with him in the spring. He invited me. I came down. I did a couple of haircuts in their booth at the International Beauty Show. And then, um, you know, we just keep building the relationship. I went out. I did um, Elevate Hair in New York last Sunday. And then I did. I taught. I spent a day with his barber students at his right at his cosmetology school right in Manhattan last week. So that's great. Um, How'd that go, by the way? I remember you telling me about that. It went great. It went that's great. Good. You know, like. It's great. Like, it's funny because you know, I've only been educating now for like a year, but every time I go out, I learn. Um, and yeah. You learn, and it, <laughs> it's cool to teach people that um, I've been cutting for way longer than you. And then it's also cool to teach people who are just starting out because it, it makes you focus on what's really important in the cut. You know, like, right. you know, I think, I think when you demo, you always got to demo to the, the highest of your ability to hold people's interests. Um, but I think when it comes time to one-on-one, I'm going to cut my model now. My philosophy is like, yo, what can I give this person that's going to benefit them tomorrow? I'm not here to confuse anybody and make them think that I'm better than I am. Right. I want to I want to help somebody immediately. So if I look at you and your skill level is pretty high, I can say, what can I add to this? But if I look at you and you barely know how to turn on your clippers, it's, all right, man, put on the three, open it up. Yeah. Now close it. Now put on your two, open it up. <laughs> you know? Yeah. All right, now you're going to have to scissor over comb all that because it still doesn't look that great. You know, like, it, it's like, like, you know, like, it, it's, it's that type of stuff, you know. And, and then it's, it's, it's helping people build their confidence behind the chair, too. You know what I mean? Like, helping people with the consultation. You know, like, the consultation is, is still, to me, the most important part of, of the haircut. Yeah. Because your, hair, your consultation sucks. Your haircut cannot be good. You cannot hit a target you don't have, right? I tell that I say it all the time, and I got to get way better at that and training my new guys because I'm like, I hear yeah. them do it a couple times, and I'm like, yeah, they got it. And then like I see something walk up, I'm like, what was that? What they asked for? Hold on a second. What yeah. The... <laughs> yeah. So so I got, a, I got a whole process for consultations. I'm happy to share it with you. You know what I mean? Like I we can go over it. Um, not a, not a, but I mean like I will gladly share what I do with you. About yeah. This, but. You know, we're going to sell this, so we don't want to give it all away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so at some point, we got to get paid for this experience, man. But yeah, um, yeah. so what I'm, what I'm hearing from you is that when you do education, you're yeah. actually not doing it for you. You're actually doing it for them, which is super refreshing. 
Yeah. And exactly how it should be, in my opinion. So yeah. you're going trying to figure out how can you help them tomorrow, today, right yeah. now. Not how many Instagram follows will I get once right. I'm done with this class and right. you know. Um It feels with... good to help it feels good to help people. Um and I think that one thing that we gotta get away from in the industry is like the uh the Instagram celebrities are kind of running the game and some of them I think really do deserve the 200,000 followers and some people are doing stuff that's like super credible and super interesting. And then some of them, it's just like, yo, you're a barber who's like sick at Instagram and you're an attractive person. And now every single company wants to work with you, but what can you really offer somebody? Like I'm looking at your haircuts and your haircuts are not at the level of someone that should be a top tier educator because you don't have the technical skills. So what else, what else do you, you know, what are you doing? Are you doing a social media seminar? Like, like, <laughs> yo, like yeah, like, you know, I, I think I'm going to, I'm going to kind of jump to you, what you were, you and I were talking about. Like not everybody needs to be that like hundred thousand follower Instagram person, you know, like, right. Right. If, if you, you don't have to be No, I mean, that's, I got some t-shirts coming out and that, <laughs> We'll see if I can actually put them on, man. Every time I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's only it's, it's gonna cost me like four hundred. And I'm like, yeah, but I need new tires in my truck, yeah, yeah. you know. And then like I, I can't talk myself out of it. But you know, one of them says twenty heads a day. That's it, with a barber pole next to it. And the other one says, I've been doing it since way before Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I have to and, get the twenty heads a day because I have <laughs> only been at it for five years. Okay. Yeah. Well, exactly. I mean this it, it, nah, it, I get that one too. I'll just front a little. The, bit. the spirit of it is that yeah. it ain't about this, man. I didn't get into it because I want to be on, you know, IG. But anyway, yeah. we're we're running low on time. We get we can record for an hour. We got two and a half minutes left. So yeah. oh, tell people going. where they can find. Well, actually, do this. What if you could tell new barbers one thing that they should know in in one or two sentences? What should it be? You know, what what, what would you want to say? And then also just tell people where they can find you on social. Yeah, I, I would say, um, I mean, the place to find me on social is Instagram, ESTE617. That's pretty much it. Um, I got Facebook, but I just keep that for family and stuff. I would tell barbers, man, like, keep growing your skills and keep working hard every day and just be patient because it's not going to happen overnight. But if, if you keep working on yourself and you withstand the test of time, you will be successful. You know, that's that's it, you know, like. That that's all. It's it, you know, there's no, there's really no secrets. It's hard work and it's yeah. sacrificing, man. Like I haven't done much else in the last five years besides like hair stuff and my family and maybe drink a couple of beers with my friends and like talk about life. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so you have to dedicate this, man. Make it, make it a lifestyle career. Like that's that's what we've been talking about, lifestyle career. You know, your life, my life, kind of revolves around around barbering man like outside you know like barbering is the thing that affords me to drive a nice car and take care of my family and uh you know and you got to invest in yourself man like i you know going to new york when i was first going down there i was paying out of pocket now i'll get paid to go down there you know but yeah there you you go it's just you know it's a sacrifice it's how bad you want it if you want to be an educator you know work do something every day to become an educator if you want to be the guy who does 20 haircuts a day do something every day do something every day so that you can charge more and then do less haircuts. Yeah. You know, do work on something every single day. Um, you know, you know, just and just be honest with yourself and and be patient, you know, and, and accept criticism from other people too, you know. And be That's humble. Good. That's be humble. Good. Like I don't think I'm the best barber, but I'm doing okay. You know, like I Yeah, man. Well, you're one of my favorite people, my man. So Yeah, likewise. We got a couple of seconds left here. I'll just say thank you for being on the show. 
once yeah. I get this thing live and like with mics, we can do it a little bit better, a little yeah. easier. Um, for the meantime, thank you for checking out the Barber Life podcast. And you can check me out at jakecutsfresh.com. Any questions, jakecutsfresh at gmail.com. Thank you so much, guys. Have a good night. Peace.